Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. And you might be surprised that this is a bonus episode um, and a very exciting one. It's sponsored by Channel 4's On Demand Player All 4. And yeah, on today's episode, all four were kind enough to give me the opportunity to sit down with Joe Thomas and Simon Bird, stars of the generation-defining comedy. You know it and love it. It's the in-betweeners. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you'll know how excited I would have been to get that email because this is a dream come true. Like I love the in-betweeners. I've had James on before, James Buckley. I've had Blake Harrison on before. I've had um, Simon on before, but for another project. And I'd never met Joe, so I was delighted to sit down and chat to him. But before we hear from Joe and Simon, or Simon Cooper, and Will McKenzie, as you may remember him, Let's talk a little bit about All Four, who made today's episode happen. Did you know that All Four is so much more than new shiny shows from Channel 4? And you'll know I'm a fan of the new shiny shows. Big Boys is one of my shows of the year. It's blown me away. There's so many good shows. Go and check out the episode with, with Jack Rook, where we talk about Big Boys. But as well as that, they have a wide range of box sets, exclusives, and niche offerings. The range and depth is out of this world and it actually has more hours of content than any other free VOD service. Um, it's where you'll find, obviously, the likes of the Inbetweeners, but a whole load of award-winning documentaries, groundbreaking entertainment series, loads of great movies, um, and what's most important to me, hilarious comedy. For instance, I took a note of my recently watched, and along with Taskmaster, which I never stopped going on about, Peep Show, the Curse, they're making the new series of The Curse at the moment, so I can't wait for that, but you can catch up on the, the previous series. Shows like Rick and Morty and Stuff Let's Flats, which I'm a huge fan of. Friday Night Dinner and Fresh Meat b- both get talked about in this. There's just loads of good stuff. So you can check all of that out on all four. But for now, let's get into the episode, right? As you'll hear, I adored the Inbetweeners when it came out it came out a really important time for me um in my life and just it's one of those shows that continues to be referenced in my friend groups on twitch recently um i got a load of completed it mate comments because of my astounding performance on a particular game so yeah it's just an iconic show so i was delighted to sit down and chat with joe and simon about it all. Let's stop messing around and get into that chat. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, and this is the In Between Us special with Joe Thomas and Simon Bird. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. Right, I am here today with Simon Bird and Joe Thomas. How are you guys? Very well, thanks. Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to chat to you both. I promise you as the host, I will genuinely try and direct questions at you individually because there's always that awkwardness (laughs) of if it's an open question and we're on Zoom, of everyone pausing and waiting for someone else to answer. but, (laughs) But you're very welcome. That's all right. I'm sure we'll find a way to make even this system 
fall apart. So oh, don't, definitely. Don't worry. I mean, you've made it. This is this is a terrible <laughs> idea. This podcast. I don't know whether you um, <laughs> you hear about the in betweeners reunion, friends reunited. I did. A, yeah, a show did. so bad Nuts. that James Buckley felt it necessary to issue a public apology. I mean, that's usually I mean, more associated with like with war crimes or sort of historical yeah. atrocities. <laughs> yeah, don't be publicly apologising for bad television because we'll, <laughs> we'll never stop apologising. I mean, you don't need to do that. Also, we should throw throw into the mix as well that obviously the in-between has happened um, quite a long time ago now. And Joe and I are yeah. in our sort of mid to late 60s, so can't yeah. really remember <laughs> anything about it. Basically, <laughs> yes. good luck. You got your work cut out for you. Or well, someone, yeah. I read a thing the other day that I think... You're currently the age that Greg was oh, when that. he was filming mm. it. That I can sounds... see your faces drop massively. Is that heartbreaking? Is that killing you well, inside? The thing that occurred to me, I mean, some time ago was that I was associated with this character who, I mean, I, was, I reached a point in my 30s, as everyone must do, where I realised I was closer to 40 than I am to 30. And then I thought, when people meet me, they're expecting me to be this character. And he's not supposed to be closer to 40 than he is to 30. He's actually supposed to be closer to 10 than he is to 30. So, <laughs> you know, that's a weird weight to sort of carry around. Because also you start wondering whether you people just think you're really sort of ill or something. <laughs> like, you're like, are you all right? Like, <laughs> and you're like, no, it's just, it's just my age now. But um, I didn't know that about Greg, but I mean, I suppose that must be right. And we yeah. thought of him as completely over the hill <laughs> we worked with him a proper, so, yeah. proper decrepit yeah you know a broken husk imagine how old he must be now he's I mean, he must practically be. dead I, I mean, mean as good as i mean pray for greg i guess because i just hope yeah. he's i hope he's all right hopefully we'll get to a point where science can calculate how old he must be now but <laughs> I hope currently so. can we just try realistic. and get some <laughs> We'll never know. Just try and get as many of Greg's memories down now as we can, please, because we don't know how long we've got. But just trying to somebody can get get to Greg and just try and record just whatever he can remember now, because we don't know how long we've got with him. Well, um, well, 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 speaking of Greg, um, like I know James and Blake in real life. I've chatted to Simon before. You know how much of a big fan I was of Days of Bagnod's Summer. But Joe, we've not met before. Um, and obviously, we're going to do loads of in-betweeners chat, but also, I'm a massive Taskmaster fan, and you're one of my favourite Taskmaster contestants oh, ever. Oh, thank you so much. How was that to be part of, and were, or, or was it as confusing as, as it looked like it was for you it's, throughout that series? Yeah, it, I was very, very confused. I mean, <laughs> it's a weird show, because it makes you realise you're bad at almost everything that you always assume to be quite good at. Like, I was really bad at the task that involved any form of, like, creativity, for example, which is worrying, given the industry I sort of claimed to work in. Um, where they'd be like, think of a name for a character. And I'd be like, I can't think of names. Uh, <laughs> one, two, three. So, I mean, it's also funny because you do these tasks and you kind of wander into a room and you kind of waddle around for a bit and pick something up and put it back down again and then your time runs out and somehow they film this from all these different angles and make it look as though you did some glorious piece of television some some sort of um yeah uh, it's uh, something that has like a beginning middle and an end and somehow speaks to the other contestants performance as well they, they could honestly they could get honestly like a duck on Taskmaster and they could film it and it, it, people were like that duck was good oh <laughs> like <laughs> and they pay you 
yeah. mean, it's it's a it's a glorious, glorious thing. It's a lovely, lovely show, and I would heartily recommend it to anyone who has the chance to to do it because it really is something that you know I would pay to do. I think it's so it's so fun. But I my latent state of confusion is quite high, so you can imagine on top of that having to kind of. <laughs> Ward some ping pong balls into a watermelon or whatever it was. Um, just too much for me. I like, love it. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm mad enough without the task, mate. <laughs> that's, it's perfect. That's well, again, I love hearing about people post Taskmaster just because almost everyone, yeah. even if I watch it and think, mm. are they going to regret having done this? Because it's, it's yeah. again, it's such <laughs> yeah. an over, overwhelming thing. It's it's kind of yeah. like TV, like shows in that you do all this yeah. work and then you're away from it for ages and then it comes yeah. out but with taskmaster you do all this work and then it's thrown at you in a live studio and you have to react live which is is the scary bit imagine in between as yeah. first airing and you for on a stage yeah. watching as the crowd reacts. Yeah. it'd be unimaginable <laughs> right absolutely i mean it's also it'd be more like watching the edit it'd be like watching them yeah. editing out all the bits where i was crap and looked directly into the camera or just kind of wandered off or like lay on the ground and refuse to get up. <laughs> like, why haven't you edited this? <laughs> why haven't you done this? Could you do this privately, please? On Friday night dinner, Robert always had a he has a, sort of an, an ambition to uh, release an episode which is just the worst take of every shot. So edited in exactly the same way, but the worst take of sort of. <laughs> I've, I've been in sh- shows where it feels like they've done that, so we won't <laughs> we won't go into that too much. But I mean, I I do want to talk about Friday night dinner and fresh meat because they're two of my favourite shows but we'll get into the in-betweeners first and then if we've got time at the end we'll get into a a little bit of that because let's be clear in-betweeners was and is a genuinely iconic show I remember it coming out I was living at home at the time but I was I just started doing music and I was gigging a lot with Kate Nash who 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 one of her songs was in all of that first series so it feels so tied to that time form it's like (gasps) Yeah. One of my mates has got a song in a TV show and it was used a lot. I don't know if there was a struggle to spend much money on licensing, but I swear it came up <laughs> constantly. So um, <laughs> do you have any connections to, uh, to the music of that time, I guess? Because obviously that's all in the edit, as we were discussing. It's not It's not part of you actually making it, but the music and that felt yeah. so of that era as well. It felt like it all tied in together. Yeah, although interestingly... It's a sort of geeky fact. <laughs> the original, the script uh, that Ian and Damon wrote was originally set in, I think, like 1989 or 1990. That's right. when they That's yeah. when they grew up. Yeah. That's when they were teenagers. So actually, you say that there is like the Kate Nash and stuff, but there's also quite a lot of music in that, specifically in the first couple of series, from the sort of late 80s. Yeah. Because Ian and Damon found it quite hard to sort of divorce themselves from that idea. I think E4 sort of forced them to make it contemporary. (laughs) But um, (laughs) some of the attitudes of some of the characters certainly feel like they're (laughs) stuck in the 80s. Was there there a bit where there was one one episode where a fan wrote online that they hadn't heard an accent like James Buckley since the 70s, (laughs) which was amazing. It was like, what are you? doing then how are you doing like that then? it was just like it was amazing and then the simple argument is that that's how he sounds it's that's how he sounds it's a beautiful i don't thing. know how he's i don't know how james a man born in presumably the late 80s has somehow got the accent of a man <laughs> from the early 70s but um <laughs> he's managed to do it yeah I love it. you're right about the music though i mean i I think there was actually probably a genuine attempt to make that, to sort of force that show into the era where it's supposed to be set. 
and music is one of the big ways. I also remember some scenes where they just go and randomly hand out a load of what it was at the time, which was DS lights. Like that was the handheld console of choice at that time. But they'd be like, it's not set in the right year. <laughs> Put some DS lights into the shop. And about there you go. <laughs> and I think the other thing that I've heard said is that there's um one of the things that maybe makes the show, it, despite all the language and everything, quite an innocent show in some ways, is that there's not much of the internet in there. There's not no, much. Mm. It, it's it's before social media. Yeah. Um, and indeed, there's not. I think there's occasional references to like MSN or no. They've all got sort of. They've all got fax machines instead. Sort of <laughs> they've all around got, with. Yeah, they they're always faxing each other. <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, God, Jay's faxed me another picture of a cock. <laughs> Can't believe it. Oh, what's that attached to the carrier pigeon? Oh, it's not another <laughs> not another cock picture. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, it was like the era of, like, all the bands that were called The. Yeah, The Vibes. Yes. The Hives. Yeah. Yep. The yeah. Kooks. A lot of K bands. Killers, Kooks, yeah. <laughs> Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. All the Ks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think Simon's also right about the influence of the like the late 80s. You can, and there is that, what's that one that goes, Friday I'm in love, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, um, that's yeah. sort of like, it's, it's sort of like alternative 80s, I guess. It's really interesting though, because I hadn't thought about it, but setting something in a school does make it kind mm. of hard to age it or date it, because school yeah. is this weird period where your main influences are your other schoolmates, but then again, the indie kids at school now will be into the cure and things like that. They'll also be into yeah. the killers and stuff like that. So there are that yeah. those kind of things that remain kind of constant. So I think other than handed out yeah. DS lights and stuff yeah. like that, you're yeah. not and the fact that 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 Jay at no point got arrested for unsolicited dick pics on social media. That's the only thing <laughs> yeah, that makes I mean, you yeah, get an few, idea of when it was made. Issues. <laughs> Moving forward, there'd be a few issues. <laughs> you might be like should yeah but i mean because i often think like why every show dates but some shows date more quickly than others and this yeah. seems to be relatively resistant to that i think because because it, it was already very dated at the time yeah like i think the yeah, sort probably, of datedness yeah. Already, yeah when the sort of built in when simon's haircut from exactly yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah. oh you know that haircut that everyone has what <laughs> you know the spikes what the one in about 2001 yeah 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 that one but I mean, I, I mean, I often think like with the internet, it's almost like a son has felt that we haven't got any more history. We've just got the same stuff recycled and kind of yeah. rehashed. And like, it's funny that you can almost do like on Spotify, you can now do like, oh, this is 1982's top song, but just from this year, because it's like, it's just people going, I mean, I think, so to some extent, I don't know whether there are, also, I'm just not really on the internet. So I don't really know what the hell's happening on there. But like, as, as far as I... <laughs> I think, you know, talking about, like, the influence of, like, I suppose that the retro, the, the phenomenon of, like, retro, whatever that is. But, yeah. like, in music, stuff comes round and in fashion, I suppose. And I think there's there's something of that. But I think there is also, it feels, I mean, it is interesting that it is sort of set in the last, the last couple of years before the ubiquity of social media. And I wonder whether, I have a feeling that maybe that is something slightly tidal is happening with that at the moment, where maybe it's, peaked i don't know maybe i'm just hoping it's peaked because <laughs> i don't like it but like yeah i think another 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 part of that was just the fact that it already had baked into it when it was made like i was amazed by how many older people liked it i say older people i mean people mine and simon's age um but <laughs> like 
<laughs> you know, like really old people, you know, dads. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. But um, it's funny, you know, people don't really mature, do they? They all, everybody is wistful for those days. Yeah. And they were formative for everyone. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned, you know, fresh meat. And again, people get wistful for you. I get wistful for university. But the one thing, you know, not everybody goes to university. And it's not quite maybe that as, I don't know, there's something about your school days where everyone does it. It's just that everyone has that experience. It's just so relatable, isn't it? Like you look at shows like Fresh Meat, Big Boys, Dairy Girls, Inbetweeners. They are all set in slightly different eras, but could all all mix and match. Like you could move any of them forward and the characters would work and it would make sense. But I mean, let's speak about the the characters a bit because Simon and Will, when the show came out, it felt like Will and Jay were the instantly kind of big characters in it. But it makes me think of like friends where at first you're like mm. oh it's 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 chandler good old chandler or, or yeah. joey and then by the end of friends you're like yeah. ross is clearly the mvp of this of of this whole show and i think that came a lot yeah. in 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 between as you realize quite quickly it was a real ensemble piece both simon and and, and neil had huge moments that kind of yeah yeah, made the show. Yeah, so I, dis- I, I disagree. So I-, I disagree with that. Fundamentally. <laughs> <laughs> he hates this. He hates this. <laughs> Look, it's it's Will's show, and um, yeah. that's what <laughs> it should doesn't. be called. Actually. But Will is presented as the lead at the start, isn't it? That is. He very doesn't much agree with this. We. I told you not to get onto this. He doesn't like it. He hates Neil. He hates Simon. He really. <laughs> Or genuinely, did you ever have any je- jealousy over characters or l- l- or good lines or anything like that that any of the other guys had? I mean, just never, because I think again, one of the great things about it—I don't—I shouldn't call it great. You can call it great. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things about it is that you know it's so, so well written that it feels like every line is very specific to each character. Yeah, you you know you can just tell straight away what is a J line, what's a Neil line, yeah. what's a Simon yeah, yeah, line. Yeah, of course. They're sort of archetypes, which again, I think is another reason why people like it, because everyone knows that's what people say when they come up to you is they I uh, I know Jay or I am Simon or yeah. you know they all have those those people in their friendship group. I just want to say that is one of the great things about it, Simon. It is great. It's a great ahead, show. <laughs> it's a great show made in Great Britain yeah. by Great uh, Britons. Yeah. That's what okay. I'm saying. Um yeah. But no, it's um, when you've got people who can write that well, and I do think, you know, even though I also consider them a couple of idiots, Ian and Damon are great writers. Like, it makes you think, oh, God, this is actually just really simple. Like, made TV's just really simple. You just, you just write about what people are like, and then, like, that's it, and people like it, and you don't even really need to... I mean, it was funny that the show didn't really appear to have any particular hook when it first came out. It was like, it's about teenagers, that's yeah. it. It's like, just so it's yeah. so low concept and so yeah. relatable, and I think we yeah. felt that when it came out. Like like I say, people come up to you, and uh, they felt like we were friends. I mean, too too yeah. too much. I mean, to be honest, yeah. I could do with a little bit more respect. I mean, I can't. We got, we got, just be called Simon <laughs> as a sort of name change policy for the rest of my life. I, I do want to retain the, Again, the now, old birth name. Now that we're sort of. Now that we're sort of elderly, we are finally getting a bit of that respect, I think. But at the time, I, mm. frankly, I think we got yeah. bullied. Is that fair to say, Joe? Joe got, yeah, I think, yeah. Joe got thrown into a river on my stag do. That is true, uh, actually, which is annoying because I do think 
the stag should be the one who's being <laughs> beasted on a stag do. I got quite uh, a lot. But no. I had my glasses stolen once by some boys at a train station. Do you remember during yeah, the, um, during the pandemic it. when um, that video of Chris Whitty being like harassed by some bozos yeah. Yeah, came yeah, yeah, out? Yeah. I just thought... Yeah, welcome to my life. I Try being in the yeah. between us. I love it because it's so based on your characters as well. Like a, a, a mate of mine um, <laughs> used to take James around DJing, and it was a massive struggle because James, in real life, he's quite you know he's reserved. He keeps he's he's not Jay, but because he's playing in these clubs, everyone wanted that geezer and wanted to 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 proper yeah. and also. So, I mean, he's a bit like Jay. I remember when I had to learn how to do a, a high dive. <laughs> For the, for the first film, I had to dive off a boat. And it was quite high, and I had proper diving lessons and stuff. Uh, and I went along, and I was like, it's pretty difficult. I've, you know, I've, I started off at 2.5 metres. I'm still quite nervous at five, but this week I'm going for 7.5, and James just being like, whatever, mate. If it was me, I'd probably just stop whinging and just turn up on the day and just fucking do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, nothing like Jay. But, I mean... He's got a point, to be fair. Hand, he, he, he's got a point. No, to point. be fair, I was, I was whining uh, about that. Well, um, I mean, kind of. Let's talk a little bit about the opposite of of jealousy. Then, did you ever wish someone else had w- one of your lines when you would get things like b- briefcase wanker shouted at you, or or things like, <laughs> like I know that that Blake and his family have got really into um, Lego Masters Australia. He doesn't talk about it anywhere because everyone will just ask how many bits of Lego he can fit up his bum because that's that's one of his <laughs> iconic things. He can't talk about something he's passionate about because of that, that that line. So did you have any of that where you kind of thought, oh, I wish... And again, if you're getting <coughs> I mean, thrown in, in, in rivers and whatnot, it's like, well... Don't no, I mean, I, I think there, there were definitely... There's definitely, a, uh, to quote you, iconic moments that um, I'm glad <laughs> are not... I mean, Joe's testicle is the mm-hmm. is the obvious one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, when yeah. we were there filming that, I knew... I think we all... We sort of felt that would be iconic. And and as it is now, it's one of the main... One of the yeah. main icons globally, Joe's testicle. People yeah. sort of worship it. You know, I was very glad that that wasn't me, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there was a um, Ian and Damon were really pushed. That was the first episode of series three, and Ian and Damon were really pushing for the premiere of that series to be held at the IMAX on the South Bank because it's oh, the um, wow. biggest screen in Europe. And they thought it'd be funny for Joe's no offense, Joe, but Joe's horrid little bullsack yeah. to be um, oh, no, it's not. just projected yeah. on that sort of scale. And it, it didn't happen in the end. But well, testicles are ugly, and and mine don't bite the trend. I mean, I don't. They are. <laughs> And what's funny is they're so gross, I don't even really consider it nudity. I was just always just like seeing a gland or something. Like, it's just so horrible. And like, I mean, it hadn't occurred to me until I think Jimmy Carr said on the um, uh, ever loved and um, iconic In Between This Reunion show um, that they are really hairy and I should have cut them. So I hadn't thought of that either. You know, I was. I was an innocent. They are they are genuinely like as they'd be in the wild, like if you <laughs> method testicles. Um yeah. So I mean I probably did wish that I haven't got many lines that are shouted at me, but um I do that was well Carly, but Carly's not really a line, is it? I mean it's more it's just the name of one of the characters that you can't I'm not I'm not having that as a catchphrase. No, Neil. Oh, what's that catchphrase? Neil. <laughs> it's not a catchphrase, mate. It's <laughs> it's one of the characters. Directed by Ben Palmer. Not a catchphrase, just some information about the show. Um, <laughs> That's just a stat. <laughs> yeah, just a stat. But yeah, no, I think we all have it. It's all kind of bus wanker, I guess, is who's that? That's all of us. It's all of you, really, isn't I it? I don't know. Yeah. 
was bus wanker a relief to take the place of briefcase wanker? Because because bus wanker oh, yeah. could unify that's, you. That's interesting, than, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of briefcase yeah. wanker was very much you. Point, then actually. bus wanker came along, and it's it's a shared load as such. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like the you know what that is? It. it is kind of a good point. I think I also prefer the joke bus wankers to briefcase wanker. It's got a little bit more built into it. Like it's consciously a bad joke. And I like that. <laughs> Where's the other jokes um, in the show? Where's the jokes? Unconsciously. Just lazy. Just quick, lazy writing. Well, 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 speaking of the, of the writing, how was it to get the scripts? Because Damon and Ian hadn't done m- m- massive amounts of TV at the time, right? They'd done a lot with J- J- Jimmy Carr, who's, mm. who's is this the, is this a Jimmy Carr special or in between a special? We can't stop mentioning the fucking guy. But they, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they'd done well, a lot with him. But that they was were my rel- question on the day. But, <laughs> <laughs> they're relatively <laughs> they, they they were nice. relatively new names, but it, it did the scripts just click? Did they just no, kind of? I, I make I thought, sense, I, right? thought were, I thought they were. I thought it was filth. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. Yeah. I'm yeah. not even joking. I mean, bear in mind, Joe and I at the time were making yeah. quite um, sort of whimsical, gentle yeah. sketch comedy. We had a sketch yeah. about um, Joe yeah. wrote a sketch about an angel who worked at Citroen. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, that is true. We had a sketch about a man who found a lot of shoes in a reservoir. I mean, it was pretty fake. That's true. Stuff. It was all whimsy. It was pure whimsy. So the in-betweeners suddenly felt, when I read that, I felt quite shocking. I didn't want to to be associated with it. How did they convince um, you? Well, just sort of money and fame, I guess. Um, So that's that's the flip side. So happy to sell out. It was very much a case of, I need a job. What is this filth? It's Channel 4 filth. Okay, well, let's let's do this then. Yeah, in that case, fine. It's the kind of filth I can get on board with. Yeah. I think also the, the, the show changed quite a lot. I mean, particularly the first series. Like, it... It found its way as it went along. I think particularly the first series, a lot had a lot of distance was travelled with that. Didn't have the voiceover in it to begin with, mm-hmm. which I think is a really key driver in terms of pace. Uh, again, you know, you mentioned the music. A lot of that roots it and kind of again keeps up the pace, keeps up the that sense of like here we go, here we go, something else, something else. I mean, I think actually when I look at it now, I do think this is so quick. Like just the the rate at which the jokes come is so so fast and there's this constant sense of momentum. And it has got that kind of giddy adolescent feel to it where if you're bored, you just stop doing something immediately and move on to, to the next thing. But it had done... So, it, yeah, it had changed... It just changed quite a lot. I mean, I remember one of the episodes was only 16 minutes long after they edited it in the first edit, um, which I, is... They, they tried to think, deliver that to Channel 4 as well. <laughs> Channel 4 said, <laughs> no. It's really good, though, because that has that has become a change in TV and, and, and stuff at the moment. Like, with more stuff going on all four mm. and is it all four or four OD? They literally told us before we started. It is whichever, all four. It's all four It's, it's now. all four. I still call it four OD because I am, I find it quite hard. I'm not, I'm not set in my ways. We've established I, that we're old. Like, we need to move yeah, on from that. Um, yeah. It, yeah, we're not, so we're not that old. Well, I actually, another thing I want to say is I find, I actually sometimes find it, and I've started doing it myself and I sort of vowed to stop doing it. It's the thing that blokes who are about our age always talk about how old they are. And actually I always think, look, all right, mate, I get it. You're not that old. Like, it's fine. Like you but, don't need but to. But the pandemic also, didn't help, mate. The pandemic so, you know, didn't young, help. What's the about young people? They're not like it. Joe, yeah. if you were yeah. genuinely young, this conversation would not be happening. Yeah, no, you're, no you're, young people. You wouldn't have to convince yourself you're young if you were yeah. young. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Actually, they're out doing kickflips and drinking monster. <laughs> but you know, it's no point. We don't need to count out to young people. Is what I'm saying. You know, they are. They're idiots. We're idiots. We're all idiots. They don't really know. 
any more than we do. That sounds like the tagline for the in-betweeners. They're idiots, we're idiots, we're all idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, can we, I mean, you touched upon the work you guys had done before. Can we kind of talk about the casting a little bit then? Because you guys already know each other because you're in the footlights together, right? Yeah. And everyone's yeah. always yeah. fascinated by who else you were in with, who was in your year. I'm always kind of more fascinated by who was the year above or who was ahead of you because it was like Ed Gamble and people like that, right? Because it's always interesting to know, I remember at school that I didn't give a shit about the people in my year. It was the people ahead that were the cool kids. It was the ones in the year ahead that was like, (gasps) they're grown-ups. When we've, I think Joe and I arrived at university the same same day and in the first week of university, the previous Footlights tour show came back to town and did a did a run so we went to see it and that was um amazing that was you know with stefan golchewski is in it who writes um mum and him and her and tom basden was in it who writes plebs and it was directed i think by i think i'm right it's directed by mark watson and tim key so it really is like a who's who of sort of the best contemporary British comedy. So seeing that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, it is intimidating. It, I think that's such an intelligent point to say it's the people who are older than you. Cause it is obviously you immediately begin kind of imitating them. Yeah. And there was a sketch group called cowards that had, um, Tim key in it, Tom mm-hmm. Basden, Lloyd Wolf and Stefan Golajewski. And they were very, they were like our favourite band, as it were. Yeah, I think yeah, it is yeah. a bit like being in a band, a lot yeah. of these things. It's like you don't really know what you're doing on the first day, but it doesn't really matter. It's not really about whether you can play your instruments. It's about whether you like the people you're working with and it's about who you like. Yeah, it's and about the that, influences. If, if it's a band, you start off playing covers. You know, you generally yeah, start going, let's play yeah. their songs to get the idea of it. And then you when evolve into school, writing your own songs. I remember at school, I remember thinking, everyone's going to think my band are really original and we've developed our own sound. As long as, as a big if, they've never heard Radiohead and they don't know what they are. And Providing, <laughs> yeah. providing, I don't know about this little band I've I heard. Think, does anyone else know about this? I think we're the only ones who've got this CD, right, Dad? Oh, man. Dad, has anyone else got the Radiohead CD apart from me and Greg? It was that band called Coldplay. No, <laughs> was that your band? Oh, oh <laughs> no, to be, I mean, actually, well, for what it's worth, I preferred the Radiohead Coldplay sound. We can get into Coldplay if you want. They're oh, awful, I, right? I've got nothing but love for Coldplay, genuinely. <laughs> no, honestly, I, love, I just I remember at the time well. the backlash oh, no, of, I love, no, this no, is no, a pop I, Coldplay, no, I, um, a pop radio. I felt, you know, they're a little bit American now for my taste, and I did prefer some of that kind of West Country English earlier sound, but that's fine, you if, know, that's okay. Anyone who wants to hate on Coldplay watch a video on youtube of any of their songs that makes everyone cry and it like yeah. any band that can do that it just gets yeah, me every time even if they're not my kind what of can you say? music i remember driving home listening yeah. to a live bon jovi gig and crying because of, of everyone singing along to living on a prayer i was like <gasps> <laughs> so i don't it care about amazing. bon jovi <laughs> it is amazing when everyone's singing along and weeping and crying and just being grateful to be alive. And that, and to get back to the in-betweeners, as which we, <laughs> you know, that's... Well, we can do a live... There was, yeah, there was talk of a live show at one point where we'd kind of go around the West End, we'd have a car on stage. That would have been, that would have been like that, I assure you. That would have been a lot you. of fun. That would have been a lot of fun. Well, I mean, speaking of coming to, together, you guys already n- n- know each other. I assume you didn't know 
James and Blake. And no, sets first days on set at the best of times have a first day at school feeling. You've kind of except you can IMDb them now, right? You can you can look Mm. up your fellow students beforehand and go, oh, I know what they were in. How was that? Because again, if when you're playing in a school, it must have felt even more like a first day at school type thing, meeting James and Blake and, and seeing if you all hit it off. It was so bizarre and so different to any other job that I've done since because it was the most amateur sort of <laughs> vibe <laughs> I've ever come across. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Ian and Damon, the, the writers, ran the production company that were making it <laughs> and they didn't take a, one single yeah. element of the produ- production seriously. I mean, they were right. just there to have a laugh. Yeah. They were told off at the end of the first week for undermining the the, the, the process because it was their own show. Like they were paying <laughs> for it. Like, it was. I think they were told to stop coming to set or something. Like amazing. It was like. the director. I mean, the directors did a great job across the board on the between us, considering that they had really yeah. very little authority. After. They had no authority. They were like and, regents. They were. I love it. <laughs> But and for some reason, Ian, despite knowing that, Ian and Damon decided they wanted to direct the second film, and they mm. they just reaped the whirlwind. They'd created this culture <laughs> of some sort of unfiltered mockery and dissent, and um, yeah. you know we very much yeah. stuck to that. We showed them zero respect, Unlucky treated them yeah. like dirt. We used to do a thing yeah. where we um, would congratulate Ian whether, whenever he gave a piece of direction or said, like, <laughs> action or cut or sort of pretended to be the director. We used to um, pat him on the head oh, and yeah, well, that um, was really treat well him like back. a competition yeah. winner. <laughs> we he used didn't to ask like being pat on the head. We used to ask him when the, um, when the real director was going to arrive. Oh, that was it. And he got Our he, joke yeah. for about the first two weeks was like, where is Ben? Because he's very... <laughs> cutting it fine now because... <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to start without Ben. And da- ben Damon had previous. to um, Damon had to come and tell us that we were making Ian uh, sad. But it was, yeah, he it was, was genuinely it was brilliant. Damon was always thrown in when you actually needed to be told off properly. Like it was like the parent who like doesn't really intervene unless it's serious. Whereas he, he was the good other cop. One is, he was good. He was good cop actually. That is, yeah, that was his job. Well, I should say very quickly, they weren't like I, I said. They were like the directors were like regents. I think actually it was the. It was Ian and Damon who were like the regions, just to be historically yeah. <laughs> clear. Well, well yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of of those things, l- let's talk a little bit about the film in it and corpse in because one of my favourite moments on set ever was on a TV show where one of the actors was American and the rest of us were English, and we were telling her l- loads of different cockney rhyming slang and it just gave everyone the giggles and it meant we could not get this scene done (laughs) the only benefit was the actor in question who we were telling all this was the partner of the of the showrunner so we couldn't get told off that much it was a beautiful little situation it's like (laughs) you can't really go too hard on us but um it is impossible when the giggles start and when you do become school children i know on that scene on the take that ended up on tv i just had my back to camera because i was like i can't do this (laughs) i can't do it i'm not seeing this i'm very much in the background in this scene anyway so i'm just gonna potter about in the corner because i can't not laugh so and again (laughs) maneuvering yourself to get your back to camera is more professional than we managed i mean i'm just openly (laughs) laughing in quite a lot of the between us yeah Um, i love it 
that's on TV. I was more like just looking into the camera by mistake because I didn't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> just still really had generally hadn't quite got it into my head about how the whole thing worked. Um, there was a lot of corpsing. I mean, it, it, in general, like I, like I say, I've never really, I've never experienced an atmosphere like like it on a set no. since it was. No. It really was like just. I mean, soppy. But it was just hanging out with your your friends. Mm. It felt unbelievable mm. that this was going to be on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It really that was yeah. sort of inconceivable. And I mean, the idea of the yeah. films themselves started as a joke because we were like, imagine if they, yeah. imagine if they turned this into a film. Imagine if this got a film. I remember the the screening of the first film. the f- <laughs> The first time my three uh, colleagues laughed was when it, on the names appeared on stream on screen. It was like Simon Bird, James Buckley, Blake Harrison. Joe Thomas, and they were like, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Huge laugh. We, we, knew, was like, <laughs> we knew the film was going to be. I mean, at that, at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Big, yeah, they are. Oh, there's a big laugh there. I will say as well that, that I think yeah. the atmosphere was great. It was sort of like, um, I mean, part of the reason maybe I haven't we haven't experienced it since is that it was, it was a slightly, it was a different era. It was a heavily male mm. set. Mm-hmm. And mm. um, do you remember when um, mm. Donald Trump sort of um, dismissed some of his unforgivable remarks by saying that um, they were locker room talk? Yeah. yeah I'd say yeah, there, was yeah. A, yeah. there was a degree of locker room talk. Mm. Yeah. It was... Um, yeah. No, it was definitely... I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, Can that I was... the word banter? It was, it was the era of banter. I think, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, we weren't immune to that. It was like being was inside a sort of um, an episode of the Ricky Gervais podcast, essentially. Yeah. That's what it was. Yes, it was it was, yeah, it was that. It was that sort of thing. Yeah. It was great fun. Um, yeah. And I would say that does contribute to the... to the. I mean, when I was, you know, making it, I kind of thought, well, yeah, we all get on. Obviously, we're having a laugh. But, like, that's not really worth anything in and of itself. Like, what matters is, like, whether you're giving an accomplished performance. <laughs> what, and... was, what was interesting was that definitely wasn't what mattered to us then. Like, on... Yeah. Yeah, Joe. When you um, you uh, we, we dared you to eat uh, uh, one of those big bags of tanfastics in um, less than a minute, and you oh, yeah. you did it, yeah. and then you were immediately yeah. sick, and then it, immediately it was your single. And I know, I know. The, the I really, level of I was there was absolutely there was you cared much. More I was about to, no, I was honestly like I, I did not give a shit. No, I was honestly like I mean it was like there was no kind of. Um, there was no pragmatism at all. Like there was literally like, I'll just completely fuck myself up before I've got to do this. I love, I mean, I love the just... idea of Joe walking to set thinking, I really need to give you no know, a peak performance here. This is really, it's nice that we're having fun, but it's the art of it that counts. And then the first thing someone says yeah. is, I bet you can't eat a bag of Tang Fastics in a minute. And he's like, yep, coming in. Let's fucking have a go. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> all goes out the window. <laughs> That was James Buckley's entire MO. Was trying, he would talk to you up to like the the N of action to yeah. try and put you off. Yeah. No, I mean it's amazing. Yeah, that we were. Yeah, this is a t- <laughs> this is a team where members of your own team are trying try to undermine your performance. Is um, ext- yeah, and amazing. But it's 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 an amazing thing again to use a music analogy again. One of the, when bands end up having long careers it's so often when the first single they made was so unusual and unique to them and they know oh Mm. we can have success doing it this way and i think that works on shows at times as well if if there was some 
ramshackle, anarchic vibe on set when you're making that first series, and then it's a big hit. Again, the fact that you got the scripts and thought, this is disgusting. You probably didn't think this (laughs) is going to be a long-running series that's going to have two huge films and what and what else but if that works it allowed you to go oh then we can keep doing this because this works and it did work i think it must have added to what came across on screen the friendships that came across on screen as these four kids in school who aren't necessarily the natural match they are as the title says the in-betweeners they don't really fit in anywhere else so i think that must have helped and it must have come across but how mad was it that journey from series one where you're probably like well I don't know how this yeah. can work. To as I said, it's so rare, particularly for British comedies, mm. to have successful f- films. And both the films worked mm. on a commercial scale, and just they're brilliant. Like they both mm. worked amazingly. So how was that to to have that journey? I guess as from here we are. I don't know if we'll get through the first series, let alone get a second series, and then you know all that way. I think to me, for me, it was really about trying to kind of hold on to that energy yeah. it had at the beginning even though it got I mean I, I I do think that sense of like becoming big and becoming aware that you're being watched is is quite isn't isn't a good thing for like it's I mean it's I famously famously not all for content but like the the Ricky Gervais show that atmosphere of like I mean I love those shows and one of the reasons is because when they first did them they were on XFM which they assumed nobody was listening to mm-hmm. So there was an atmosphere of of sort of unbridled freedom. And again, it's another one that it worked there, therefore they can yeah. then take that format over to the BBC over to whatever. And then well no, it's amazing how much it's amazing how much you can see that material is dipped back into as, you know, yeah. uh, as he moves forward. But it was just never it was never in danger of us taking it seriously though. You know, with Ian and Damon mm. at the helm, it was just not going to happen. They they just do not have it yeah. in them to take anything seriously. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I remember the rehearsals for the film. We sort of moved on to the film, like, all oh, right, okay, well, now this is a film, so we, we're surely we're going to actually do some preparation or something. And yeah. I mean, we did a week of rehearsals. It was an, it was an absolute joke. I mean, you can't, in good conscience, call them rehearsals. It was amazing. I literally remember being in that room, and all that was happening was there was a big argument. This is during the rehearsal week. There was a big argument going on with the three other boys just passionately arguing with Ian that they shouldn't be having to rehearse. (laughs) So the rehearsal week was a week of Ian trying to justify, in a kind of um, uh, abstract sense, the the idea of rehearsing. And they were like, we won't do it. We don't believe in it. We don't believe in it. And I was like, okay, that's, that's Monday gone. So back in tomorrow. He was the main culprit because then when we were there, it would just be... I know. We I would know. just be trying to fit Joe inside a suitcase and then we didn't even run. <laughs> but, it is, but it's what you said. It's like that the, the, they'd, they'd been the naughtiest kids in the class. So then when they, it was like, it was honestly like when the teacher leaves the class and, and they, so I don't know whether this still happens, but they go to one of the kids like, just mind the blackboard while I'm out or something. And yeah. then obviously, the, and then nobody is respecting that kid as the teacher. Yeah. They're just like, get off, <laughs> get off. So, I mean... I think it's yeah. It, it they, there was no way they were gonna, you know, command our respect. There was no. I, I, I love those analogies. I remember when I worked in retail, and and I I, was, I worked in HMV for years. And at one point, I became management, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. 
<laughs> yeah, all the people yeah. who were my genuine friends just wouldn't do the work I needed them to do because they're no. my friends. It's like this should work the opposite yeah. way. It should be because we're all friends. Yeah. We'll do. We'll yeah. help you out. But no, yeah. because we're friends, you're going to go. No, I didn't do that today. Actually, it's like, ah, shit. Yeah. I, I need to be on the other side <laughs> of this. I need to be on the other side of it. I can't be the one that I said gets uh, left in charge of the class. It doesn't no, it's work. true. I think there is. There is. A, I think there's a other shows which you know Simon's talked about not being the same, which is definitely true. I think there's. You will find that you know the director will try and maintain a degree of separation, uh, just because it kind of is helpful if it's there, you know. It's one of those professional jobs where if you start to see them too much as a person like you, it's not helpful either way, maybe. There was none of that. But I mean, I th- which, but, but then on the other hand, I th- that, was its, that was its strength. I mean, again, I, it, it was full of traits and behaviours uh, that it would be very, very difficult to justify. Well, I mean, yeah, just like in terms of just simply, yeah. I was re- remembering that um, there was an extended period where... Um, Ian would give um, each of the cast just a very gentle kiss before um, a take. <laughs> it's just outright sexual abuse. Uh, um, uh, yeah, there was, there was some weird... You can't get some the weird. performance. You <laughs> yeah. can't get the performance, by all means necessary. Yeah, yeah. We enjoyed it. It was a it was a very confusing place. It was like no. a sort of boarding school. It was sort of veered wildly it was a, between yeah. ironic homoeroticism. Yeah, times just outright homoeroticism. Yeah, I mean, whereas yeah, <laughs> there'd be times where you're like, well, there's no one else here, and neither of us are laughing. I love it. it. It's the picture of the of the rolling around fighting, and then suddenly it's not so funny anymore, and you're just looking into yeah. each other's eyes. This is but yeah. It would be, it would be the, the the little kiss for me and before a take, and then after the take when um yeah. uh, another fact yeah. is that James would just never learn his lines. So after the take, he'd be yeah. sort of um there'd be sort of quite yeah. violent altercations where Ian was um, <laughs> remonstrating with James to maybe bother yeah. learning his lines. Taking once. his kiss back. Yeah. 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 There was, no, the lines thing was amazing. I mean, like the idea, I mean, now when I do jobs and people have learned their lines, a part of me is like, pathetic. Nerd. <laughs> Tra- tragic. Teacher's pair. What, are you like, are you like bed bound or something? Why have you learned your lines? <laughs> do, do you, were you, have you been in prison? Is that why you've learned? Like, it's, it's another yeah. example of what I sort of expected might change on the film, where you're like, oh, God, this is going to be like on a big screen. I want to get yeah. the words right. But to be fair to James, he stuck to his guns. He, could, yeah. he simply yeah. could not be bothered Did to learn. Not. He's got his method. And it he's was going very to stick with it. Well, well they, they have a thing called sides, which is like these A5 sized pieces of paper that you yep. can kind of slip into your pocket. And James basically was like, if you want me to learn my lines, you shouldn't have invented sides. Essentially, that's that was basically yeah. Anyway. That's there to guide you on the day. You've got it covered. We should stop having to go, James, because you know he's very he's very good, and you know he got it done. He got it done, and who who can you know? You don't see how the sausage is made, but yeah, <laughs> the sausages, you know, <laughs> inefficiently is the. Yeah, but, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of arseholes and guts in them, so you know it's a, it's a tasty <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, sausage. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, can we talk a little bit about? going on to the next gig because I've talked to a lot of people in in Shane Meadow shows and it's a similar thing where Mm. that was their first gig and it's Mm. so improvised it's done so differently Mm. to every other show that you then move on to a show and you're like Mm. oh shit and some of them have been overwhelmed and some of them have excelled but Simon you got to go on and do again this is just everyone's career dream right you did this iconic show 
and then you went and did another iconic show in Friday Night Dinner. So how was that to to do and to be part of something again that must have felt, oh, we're making something that people are going to remember for years here again? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was a very professional production. So it was, you know, it was chalk and cheese, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Robert is, Robert is really good friends with Ian and Damon and was the script editor on The Inbetweeners, Robert, who writes Friday right. Night Dinner. So it definitely, you know, it does share some of that anarchic spirit. And, you know, Tom Rosenthal yeah. is a sort of born prankster. And yeah. Mark Heap is obviously <laughs> mad as a box of frogs. So it definitely had its moments. <laughs> but um, at the you know, by Series 6, we just we played a lot of board games with the crossword. I was yeah. getting through a novel a week. Yeah. So it was like an old people's home, really, by the end. But <laughs> I love it. It just calmed right down. Yeah. Uh, Just on novels, I bought a novel to the Inbetweeners set once, and um, Ian taught. Uh, James went through it with a black marker, redacted it, right? Yeah, striking through key details. Ian, and then Ian tore out the last page and ate it. So that's if you like books, <laughs> be in Friday Night Dinner, not in the Inbetweeners. Uh, you uh, you say tore out, but I remember it being much more uh, sort of much more oh, threatening right. than that. It was cut out with a scalpel so that you couldn't yeah. tell, and we kept it secret. But he did, he did eat it. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, like a fucking psychopath. I mean, he. I don't, why did he have a scalpel on him? Is one question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really weird. It was like, now cut it out, like, in a medical way. I love way. that it was, was kept a secret that you probably, you saw him eating yeah. a page from a book, assumed it wasn't a page from your book, assumed that was just what a page he'd brought yeah. with him for lunch. Just, yeah. He's going to snack Absolutely. on that. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, that could be any page. <laughs> Who knows what page that's, that is? That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so how was it working on, on Fresh Meat? Because, again, it's another show that is one of my all-time favourites. Uh, Zowie Ashton is now a pal purely because of my fandom of that show. And I think Howard is one of the greatest oh, characters ever. But you, oh, you, yeah. the beauty of that is you went on, you kind of graduated. You went from I know, a show so in school yeah, my... to a show in, in, at uni. It kind of is the perfect the reason transition. I'm now so, the reason I'm now at such a loose end is because my life was basically, was, by the way, past tense, Go to school, go to university, leave university, get a job pretending you're at school, leave that, get a job pretending you're at university, but then I have run out of track after that because that is now, yeah. that's that now. I mean, unless, to be honest, what I need is to get a job where I pretend to be somebody who's left university and is pretending to be at school. That's yeah. the job I now need. Yeah. So it's a job playing myself 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 maybe. But anyway, um, you know, to answer your question, it was... It was I mean, again, the same thing, more professional. Or th- I mean, again, I think The Inbetween is, is one of the best written shows, but yeah. Fresh Meat was written by fucking icons of, of, oh my, of yeah. TV. I mean, you know. you know, Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong. I mean, Peep Show obviously is like just one of those shows that I obviously love. And I think as I began i suddenly stopped speaking about age but actually one that as i got started to get a little bit older like late 20s into my 30s kind of came to more and more and thought oh yeah and there's, there's some there's some stuff in that that's just like uh, just absolutely um it's, it's, wonderful it's got in my opinion the best comedy moment in comedy history it's when they're they're doing reading out of a you know them pub quiz books that has got the question at the front oh, and the answer in the back and it says yeah. um I have a bed but cannot sleep. I have a mouth but cannot speak. What am I? And one replies, a river. And he goes to the back and goes, no, Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, fucking, it's just fucking perfect. It's perfect writing. But but 
But yeah, from Peep Show prior <laughs> to Fresh Meat to Succession yeah. and everything else that's come after it, or the th- thick of it, I think was yeah. prior to Fresh Meat as well. That's 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 yeah. right and royalty. Yeah, no, right I mean, there. and actually, it's interesting looking at Succession now because a lot of the same writers are on that. John Brown, mm. I remember. One of the nice things about playing Kingsley in Fresh Meat was that I got quite a lot of songs written for me. Yeah. Because he's a musician. Yeah. Or sort of a musician. So I got to write a song written by Graham Coxon and then another one written by Gaz from Supergrass, which is That's not amazing. bad. That's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, not, not two bad musicians. Um, and I think John Brown had written the lyrics for them. But yeah, so there was... Um, the Implodium Implodes is the one that... So Graham Coxon wrote the music for and John Brown wrote the lyrics for. And then... Um, Drone Alone, about a lonely drone, was the one that Gaz from Supergrass wrote the, um, wrote the music for and John wrote the uh, lyrics for. And that, I mean, they're both just really nice songs. And, and like, I remember I got to go around, um, Graham, <laughs> it's just, there's nothing about this that isn't just pure fanboy, but like, I got to go around Graham Coxon's house, Love all right? It. And I got to see his fruit bowl and things like that. <laughs> and I got to go up his stairs. What do you have in his fruit bowl? Um, he actually genuinely had a potato in it, which is... Um, Coxon. <laughs> That's so cool. There was some fruit in it as well, but there, was, but there was. I'm telling you, there was a potato in it. And we went up, and he and he was lovely and really charming, and he'd um, written the music. And then he kind of went out of the room. Bowl. I'm not listening to anything. I know. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm I'm, 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 Rock and roll's not dead, man. He's definitely the kind of guy that'd have a tomato in there. Going, well, it's a fruit, isn't it? It's technically a fruit. It's a fruit. But Cox and a potato, tomato, yes, marrow, fine. Potato, Not a no. potato, mate. Not a potato. You've you've oh. you've you've busted through the envelope there. Because soon there'll be broccoli in there, and then it will be it's game over. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but it was lovely. I remember he he left the room at one point, you know, to go to the toilet or something. And I was and Charlotte Ritchie was there as well, and uh, Matt Biffer, who was the music guy from Channel Four, and. Um, we were just in the room with all Graham Cotton's guitars and we were sort of like, I don't know whether we were maybe like touching them or something and we were basically just going, it was lovely. Just a lovely moment. Because I grew up with Blur and like, you know, it was... So actually that was that was a lovely uh, thing in Fresh Meat. I noticed Simon Cooper had no songs in The Inbetweeners. I don't know, that never happened. Um, <laughs> there was... <laughs> I didn't, you know, Johnny Greenwood was never brought in to write the music for... <laughs> one of Simon Cooper's poems or something. Um, but, um, yeah, that was... But again, no, it was... I'm always really just drawn to writing, I think, because that is the fundamental thing. If you haven't got the writing right, it's so hard to make something yeah. work well. And, you know, that was uh, just an opportunity to work with... I mean, at that one, I was, there was a point where I was doing In Between His and Fresh Meat Simultaneously, and I thought, God, I'm, it's sort of, this, is, this is what really is... Uh, I'm leading a charmed life, like, mm. to be able to... Everything I read out that I haven't bothered to learn is written by one of the best writers in the country. And again, but it was it was it was quite funny how it kind of it was like a kind of weird sort of graduation. And, and um, I guess actually, you know, I mean, perhaps yeah, it's it's hard to avoid making those parallels. But yeah, the inbetweeners probably was a bit like school, kind of first day of it's school. Mad that you then, went school and you know, then university and then jumped straight to university. an old people's home with Taskmaster. Yeah, that's <laughs> just yeah. bumbling around, <laughs> moving stuff about. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. All sitting in a yeah. row. <laughs> to talk about yeah, I, I know. Trying to do like 
tasks to keep up our dexterity and our <laughs> sort of life. You missed out the life bit, Joe. You missed out the life bit. I missed out the life bit. bit. I know. Well, who needs that? Well, I don't know. What, what is that bit? We've, I don't we, know what that is. Are we, are we were meant to wrap this up about five minutes ago, so I'll wrap it up now okay. with the kind of question of, do you feel In Between has ended at the right point? Because so many shows go on too mm. long. So many shows don't get a chance to go on as long as they could. And to me, it feels like a perfect ending point. I also wonder what Will and Simon would have been doing now at this age, What, how they would have handled the pandemic, what kind of a state they would have been in. I wonder all these things. So yeah, what's your thoughts on all that as a, a very wide rounding up, I guess? I'm not on social media, but my wife t- tells me there's a sort of meme going around that... Um, Rishi Sunak is quite quite Will McKenzie. Hundred percent. And I think oh, yeah. that it definitely I can see I think Will could have got into into politics. Yeah. yeah. I always imagined he might be a Lib Dem though. I think he would have been very passionately anti Brexit. He would have been the Liz Truss. Yeah. He would have wanted to be a Lib Dem <laughs> and he would have found himself leading the Tories <laughs> yeah. thoroughly against his will, but going along with it. <laughs> but I think it definitely ended I think it definitely ended at the right point. You don't never want these things to drag on felt like we were already happy with the films and thought we'd sort of done the you know done the characters justice so it felt like a good time to leave it yeah i think that's right i mean i think there's a kind of youth versus age thing as well where like these characters are kind of it's not just that i mean it's not just that we're older as actors but it's also just that it's about a time in your life where it makes sense that those characters are kind of held together by school or by these kind of coming of age rituals like gap years or whatever and people do sort of drift and I think that's why you need those mechanisms like weddings and funerals basically to make films about people coming together in Mm. their 30s because just nobody like (laughs) nobody does it anymore like there's no it's uh it's interesting that young people always rage against the structures that are keeping them together with their contemporaries but then I think probably miss them when they're not there and um yeah I I think that there's it's those structures there's a structural issue basically is what I'm saying to make Mm. to to it to it going on much longer because it becomes contrived keeping these characters together so I think yeah I think they told all the kind of stories that there were to say about those characters really and you know you can't go backwards in time so once you've done those coming of age events once that's there I don't think those characters are together anymore realistically and not with that regularity if they see each other and it's a special occasion it's not quite the same I don't think the whole point is that they go into the common room and they see each other and they're like and they basically did that right the the second film I mean if I remember rightly (laughs) just genuinely quite a long time ago the second film was them sort of coming together after a year apart right I swear actually that is true they sort of did that and then yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. It feels like beyond that, yeah. it's hard to imagine yeah. why they would be hanging out. And and the beauty yeah. is that you can go back in time with all four and catch such shows Very as the Inbetweeners, Peep Show, Very and everything good. we've talked about what today. A pro. Thank you for chatting, guys. This has been the easiest podcast I've ever done, I think, because it's just oh, having fun and talking oh. about a show I love. So thank you, guys. Oh, oh. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we clearly did. When we stopped rolling, we kept talking for at least another 10 minutes. So it was a delight to get to do this. Big thanks to all four for for, for setting this up and allowing me to talk to these lads. Thanks to Simon and Joe. And remember, you can stream the Inbetweeners, Fresh Meat, Friday Night Dinner, basically every show we mentioned, alongside hundreds of other new and classic box sets, award-winning documentaries, groundbreaking entertainment series, and loads of great movies, all for free on all four. I'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.